Welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast with me, Joe Warner, and powered by Ultimate Performance, the world's premier personal training experience that delivers maximum results in minimum time. In each episode of the Unfiltered Podcast, I interview the most respected, celebrated, and controversial experts in the fields of health, fitness, nutrition, well-being, and performance to help you find the life-changing advice you need to live smarter. Remember, you can find all of our exclusive Unfiltered documentaries, video interviews, and investigations at unfilteronline.com and the Unfiltered Extra YouTube channel. And now, on with the show. If you could just start by telling me a little bit about your background, your medical background, and how you got into regenerative medicine. So, um, like like most doctors, um, we started off in doing hospital rotations amongst multiple specialities. Um, and during that journey, it was apparent to me that I quite liked looking after people in an integrated form. So, rather than just looking after their chest or their heart or their gut, it, it felt like um, there was much more mileage in overseeing the whole patient. So, that journey then took me into general practice, um, where effectively the doctor-patient relationship allowed you to explore beyond a specialism and yeah. and also integrate the environment that person is living in, working in, which uh, makes a big difference in terms of outcomes and management. If you have a fuller understanding of an individual, then uh, your plans are more likely to be received well because it's an understanding. You can also understand the health belief models of individuals and bespoke the plans accordingly. Because there's never one correct answer. It's what would work uh, with the patient and what would enable them to collaborate. So from the hospital rotations, I went to general practice, then became a trainer in general practice, and then evolved my training into doing minor surgery, joint injections, and various uh, sort of uh, some uh, specialisms within general practice. Um, so that's where I started my journey for many, many years. Um, and then I sort of uh, started to read about um, integrated care, where having done general practice for a good 20 plus years, you kind of started to form patterns and you also saw how people started their journey and where they ended up. And I, I just felt there could be more we could be doing. Um, and, and as a consequence, it led me to look into elements of cellular medicine. Um, so by the time patients had their, what we call their disease, what had been going wrong in the body before that point? In yeah. time? And yes, we, we do talk about diet and lifestyle, but, but really a lot of the consultations were more involved in what we should be prescribing, what diagnostics we should be doing. And um, the environment didn't allow us to explore some of the other elements and explain those elements. So when people didn't buy in, I wondered whether it's more about how we're explaining it, the time we're giving to it, versus the importance of pharmacological or diagnostics. Um, and of course, the culture then was that hospitals, was you know, the system in hospitals was the best. So whatever came out of that, we must follow. Yeah. Um, but again, it's an isolated point in time that hospitals see a person. They don't see them in their own environments. What else is going on? Um, so this then led me to go into it a little bit deeper. So having found a passion for holistic medicine, I then thought, well, can we go a bit deeper here? Can we actually find out what's going on at a cellular level? And as a consequence, I explored some courses uh, in Europe and US and, and the whole scope of cellular medicine appealed to me because it kind of intuitively felt right 
fix the cell and the organ tissue looks after itself. So that was my journey. And it's been almost a decade now that uh, I've been involved in regenerative or cellular medicine or integrated medicine. There's many terms for it. Yeah, and you've done a, a very good sort of, uh, you've explained about regenerative medicine as well. You've done a good job of, of, of that. So one thing that kind of follows on on from that is how do you think about disease? And, and you've touched on this, but we have the ICD, the International Classification of Diseases, and there's a lot of debate as to whether aging, for example, should be listed as a disease. And obviously that has implications for, for medical practitioners uh, you know, such as yourself. Yeah. I'm wondering how are you kind of a practicing regenerative medicine physician? How how do you think about that that sort of thing? So again, I think the ICD, uh, the classification of diseases, is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, we're going to have more and more syndromes, and uh, effectively, a disease is a clump of symptoms uh, that follows a certain pathway. And by definition, therefore, uh, physicians can look at solutions to that clump of diseases, and, yep. um, either in investigating it by tests or in treating it, i.e. drugs or procedures. Um, but if we go back to cellular medicine and look at the fundamentals of what dysfunction has gone wrong that has led to that disease or led to that clump of symptoms, we, we find that there is a basic foundation of dysfunction. Um, and we now have a, a lot of evidence showing that the term inflammation, for example, yeah. uh, is probably where a lot of modern day disease stems from. So inflammation can lead to a process of dementia, of heart disease, of, of, of cancer even, of gut disorders. So whatever the disease is, if the foundation is the cells going wrong, then surely by fixing that cell, those diseases would follow a, a pattern of improvement. Um, and the other thing that... Uh, we need to be get, getting better at is looking at root cause analysis. Um, so by the time that disease has happened, people are often put on drugs and they're kept on those drugs and they stay on those drugs. Now, of course, drugs do have a role. If something is not in a great place, it needs to be put down to a good place, then of course, drugs uh, have a role. But what we're not very good at doing is moving from that point. So when someone starts a drug, they tend to stay on it for life. Um, and there, there is a, a process that those drugs are just repeated and the patient stays well. But my view would be that those drugs have safety nets to that patient. And in that window, should we now be looking at what went wrong a few years before, even earlier in that cellular function? Where is this inflammation coming from? Is it diet? Is it lifestyle? Is it toxicity? Is it um, adrenal stress, adrenal fatigue? and give those patients, those uh, people, the tools to actually understand why this has happened with a view to taking steps to address it. And that's where regenerative medicine comes from. Um, it takes a little bit of explanation. It takes a little bit of understanding of physiology. And some of it is quite tough luck because it will require certain interventions that feel unconventional, shall we say, because our cells are haven't evolved to our environment, sadly. You know, if you look at Stone Age, Ice Age, evolution of cells takes thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. Yep. Our environment is only a few hundred years old. So technically, our cells are not used to or happy in this environment. And the way they protest is by sending out signals, signals that cause inflammation. And if the inflammation is in your gut, you get gut problems. If inflammation is around the heart, you may develop coronary heart disease. If it's around 
um, uh, producing more sugars through inflammation, uh, we get insulin resistance. So we're very good at finding out what those are, but we must step back and understand our cells are not happy in this environment because we have not evolved to this environment that quickly. Um, and so, so that is basically the fundamentals of all illness, really, if that's what we believe. And so steps taken to detoxify, to get things like sleep and circadian rhythm back, to remove the ammunition of inflammation, sugar, um, to uh, understand that sometimes we eat not because our cells require it, but it's because of dopamine and habit. Uh, just understanding those fundamental principles um, can actually allow people to live a much better, more optimized life, possibly even remove some of these drugs that were started in the first place, possibly not lead to things like cancer developing. And most importantly, once you own it, it's yours. So the benefit to the healthcare economy is massive. Patients are not presenting with signals that then, um, which they understand why it's happening. Um, so it's a win-win. Um, but it requires um, us as physicians to explain to evidence base what we found and to then hold people's hands through that process. And the process is simple. It's a detoxification, a repair, and a renewal. Um, and ultimately, the emphasis on those three points will vary from person to person depending on where they are in that journey. Um, and regenerative medicine, medicine offers those tools to feed the cell to feed the dynamo, the battery of your cells, the mitochondria, and give the immune system the support for it to lift and fix itself. There's there's so much I want to, to pull on there because you, you've covered a lot and, and that's absolutely fascinating. So I think this idea of, of prevention being better than a cure in, in some ways is the kind of underlying theme. So well, I, mean, I could go one step yeah. further than that um, because prevention of disease is one thing. Yeah. Optimizing a human's capability is another. So, so we kind of get used to being in one lane. We surround ourselves uh, thinking that, well, I must be tired because A is happening and B is happening. Uh, I expect this not to be working as well because I've got, come to a certain age. And yeah. then, well, that expectation sometimes subdues our capabilities. And what we're talking about is not just um, uh, living younger, longer, Yep. We're not. We're talking about optimizing function, brain function, muscle function, uh, joyfulness, um, you know, uh, alertness, uh, lack of psychological stress. So we're talking one step about prevention. We're talking about human optimization. I, I love that you, you've talked about optimization. So you know, my my PhD is very much kind of focused on optimization and looking at how athletes will optimize themselves, essentially. So. I'm really interested, given that you mentioned optimization, talking about this idea of treatment versus enhancement and how you, again, as a practicing regenerative medicine physician, think about that because you, you've kind of alluded to a lot of things on that you know, in the last couple of minutes. I'd love to kind of hear your mm -hmm. input and hear your thoughts on that. So, so my, standard, my starting point with everything is our cells are not prepared for our environment. Yep. If that's the case, by definition, everyone's going to have a bit of inflammation. It can present in multiple ways. Yep. So the, the first thing I would look at is the impact of that uh, disparity between the environment and what we do. Um, and so we tend to like to not only take a full history from 
point of birth right way to where people are, what they eat, how they sleep, how they function, how many hours a day they're sitting, how many hours a day they're exercising, get an understanding of the lifestyle. We then get an understanding of where those individuals feel that things could be better. Now, the only problem with that is you don't, you've only got yourself to compare. If you ask 100 people, are they tired? They'll all say yes, but it's very variable. Yes. So we get to know what they feel. Uh, we then do the standard body composition indexes to literally turn people inside out. So we would show you your muscle mass. We'll show you where that muscle mass is. We'll show you how much fat you're holding, where that fat is. We'll look at your mineral content, your water content on a very simple physical test. And people are quite surprised when they look at that. Uh, some more pleasant than others, but once you have shown them what's going on inside, you can then predict what may go wrong in the future if we don't address them. Now, that's the starting point. So the starting point is always how much do we have to detoxify people? Again, a lot of us live in cities. We, we don't take into account that we're breathing in or inhaling certain toxins, heavy metals. It just happens as part of life. So we also, as part of that program, we do a scan to look at the heavy metals, mineral content of these individuals. Usually the, the likely culprits are aluminium, lead, and mercury. Yeah. Now, bearing in mind, a lot of these heavy metals have half-lives of 30 years. Uh, you could see how something happening 30 years ago, 50% would still be in the system. This is yeah. Everything gets soggy. It's like a computer that's stuck, it's slow. So your ability to excrete or detoxify is, is restricted. Um, so that's all part of looking at how can we clean you out? Um, and so that's the starting point. In order to work with good cells, we've got to get rid of the bad cells. Um, and usually we, we use techniques like autophagy. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of benefit in forcing the body to eat its own rubbish. Um, we live in abundance, but we're built for scarcity. So we have mechanisms in our body to protect us in times of starvation. Sadly, in the last 50 to 70 years, we've not used those mechanisms. Um, and one of them is that every time your cells uh, regenerate, the debris of the old cell doesn't all go away. It gets stored in your, in your cells as a potential rescue pack of protein. Now, of course, that rescue pack of protein um, isn't used. It's like the food at the back of the fridge. Because we keep feeding the front, the back's not moving and it's decaying. And if you kept something in the back of your fridge for six months, you can see what it looks like. Yeah. Decay is causing inflammation. And this is evidence-based by Professor Usimi, who won the Nobel Prize in 2016. He also went one step further and said, if you remove this debris, inflammation just crashes. Things like insulin resistance, diabetes, high blood pressure, dementia, stroke, cancers, kind of diminish because you're taking away the ammunition for inflammation. So we explain that to individuals. We get an idea of how, how far they need to go with that. And we basically, it doesn't matter how big or small you are, you'll benefit from this debris. So in your body, everyone's variable. You've got three larders. You've got sugar, you've got fat, and you've got this protein debris larder. Um, and the key thing is the brain likes sugar. It's quick, it's easy, it's efficient. And that larder prevents us moving to the other larders, uh, which are, are actually the most important ones to remove. So we basically do things like fasting, um, remove the glycogen. Once the glycogen stored sugars move, the body then moves into autophagy, starts cleaning the brain out, recycling all this rubbish for brand new DNA. And the body will force itself to find things that shouldn't be there. It has to be forced to that. Our predecessors, it wasn't a choice. Yeah. Uh, and 
Remember, our cells are still cavemen. So ultimately, we're built for scarcity. So they didn't have a choice. There was two or three days they wouldn't eat. We have abundance. We, we've got a lot of choice, so it's much tougher. Once the protein goes, the body, body goes and biohacks the fat. It's what we call ketosis or endogenous ketosis, the paleo diet, etc. But this is a very quick way of getting there. But what has really, really been the most fascinating part of doing this work is the speed at which the body recalibrates. It's almost control delete on a system that could be there for decades. And within a week or two, these individuals have changed. They don't crave sugar. They don't feel hungry. They, they, they find that they sleep better. They've got better bandwidth in their brain and they can't understand it. They're, they're not eating and why is this happening? Well, they are eating, but utilizing the back of the fridges. Uh, they're giving their, their body a deep clean. Um, and from that, they feel great. So this idea of starting point versus where they could be, we, don't, we, we say we don't know how good you could be because there's no comparison. And more often than not, they think we couldn't believe it's, you know, that we could feel this good. And it becomes addictive after a while. They, they then don't have as much sugar or as much carb because they know that night's going to be a really bad night's sleep because their radars are open again. They're able to be intuitive about what is good and what is bad for them. Similar, similarly, the gut cleans out. So your, your first line of defense is your gut. And if that's clean, it'll keep the bad stuff out and allow the good things in. A lot of us are inflamed in our guts. And we don't pay much attention. Processed food, toxins, heavy metals, adrenal stress, they are all propagators of inflammation. And sadly, our gut, gut suffers. We end up in a decline. So our journey is detox first and then repair. Now, you've alluded to some of the things we do, but repair is a fascinating place. This is about your dynamo, your mitochondria, the energy source of ATP. And so we do everything to enhance your battery because if you can produce ATP energy, your cells can breathe. If your cells can breathe, your tissue breathes. If your tissue breathes, the organ's happy. Look after the cell and the organ will look after itself. So, so we, we do a lot of work with mitochondrial support, uh, nicotinamide, mononucleotide, NMN, even NAD, uh, the, the supporters of mitochondrial function, the B12s, the B-complex vitamins. Um, so by giving the body innate energy, it doesn't go to battery number two, cortisol. You know, cortisol is fight or flight. The body won't give up on you. So if it doesn't have it in the correct place, it'll go to the second and third reserves. And that's when things start going wrong. Um, so we build the mitochondria. We then basically try and make the adrenal band work better. Uh, so it's not working at night, not sleeping. The petrol, if it was a car, it'd be like having a car all night. By the time you wake up in the morning, after petrol's gone. So yeah. people cut needing caffeine, eating sugar. So we basically get people into circadian rhythm. We follow the natural rhythm of what people should be doing. Sleeping when it's dark, waking when it's light, not getting that 2 a.m. wake up call where your brain is whizzing. So we support that by using things like cellophos, phosphorylated serine, ashwagandha, magnesium, and melatonin. Um, you know, it's an underestimated hormone, melatonin. But once people get circadian, they find that the day just goes better despite the triggers being the same externally. Um, similarly, we, the adrenal gland is tired in the morning, we help support it. B vitamins, zinc, uh, we use um, NAD, glutathione, fabulous to detoxify your second defense, the liver. Um, so effectively, we start feeding the cells, not the tummy. And yeah. bearing in mind, our, our ancestors could get this off trees and off a kill. They didn't have microwaves, processed food, a soil that's been disrupted. 
All of this should come from nutrition, but sadly food is no longer the nutrition it used to be. So we're well-nourished, sorry, well-fed, but undernourished. Um, and so once people get into that lane, they want to stay there. They want to stay there. So people don't talk about illness or preventing illness. They only talk about how can I stay at this place longer? That's, yeah, I mean, that's fascinating stuff. And it, it's really interesting to hear you talk about this this idea of autophagy and this idea of fasting and, and being able to kind of clear out these senescent cells. Um, so one of the things I know you do is this, as you said, this modified fast. Um, I think I think it's called the Nomad Reverse Aging Plan, which is yeah. which is very catchy. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? So is it actually a full sort of fast or is this time restricted eating or periods in ketosis or because I understand they all have slightly different benefits, but it takes quite a while to actually get to the stage where because people will sort of fast for 12 hours and think, oh, you know, autophagy is king. And as you said, it, it takes a lot longer than that. So could you tell me a little bit about that? So, so we have to remember that um, it's very easy to go to a nice flush resort, spend two weeks and recalibrate. But the rest of the year, you're in, you're in the real world. So our, our scheme has, is trying to change behavior in the real world. So therefore, it's resilient and sustainable. And uh, if we go back to the fridge analogy, where the back of the fridge is a stuff full of stuff that shouldn't be there, um, we find that when people are given a um, short space of tough intervention, they do better than a prolonged scope, which they can fall off for multiple reasons, social occasions, busy work, life, balance, etc. So Nomad tried to look at humans in their current environment and put a plan together which would fast track autophagy. But also it would support the fact that life still goes on. Um, caveman would just go to sleep or just sit and meditate for four or five days. We don't have that privilege. Yep. So we introduced the process of fasting. So it's a water fast, only water, um, supported with hypertonic salines because once the sugar moves, it takes the minerals. So when you support that, people don't feel as unwell. Um, but they come in for drips. Now, the great thing about drips is we can feed the cells without feeding the calories or stopping autophagy. So there's a series of drips that they have. And depending on whether you do a reverse aging plan or just the detox nomad, the plans vary and the drips vary because not everyone wants to do the full plan. Um, so we have a, a fast track autophagy plan, which is nomad detox. Uh, we also have plans for certain chronic diseases. So if you've got a chronic disease, myalgia, fibromyalgia, Lyme disease, we also have a trip that's focused along those lines. So we can bespoke it depending on the unmet need of the individual. But the key principle is remove uh, the, enable the body to start eating from within. So it's a three-day water fast. Usually by then the autophagy process is starting, the ketosis is starting. But then what we do is continue it. We want the pancreas that stopped working to get used to not working so hard. So we put them on one meal a day after, on day four after their first trip of pure vegetables, but no protein. Because remember, autophagy can continue. If so keep, keeping mTOR or all that sort of stuff quiet, yeah. You put protein in. Yeah. Says, Wait, we don't need to use this anymore. Um, because remember, it's, it's, it's starvation parcels that you're trying to hack into. So we put them on a, on a vegetable, uh, simple raw, uh, raw vegetable salad diet for 10 days. And most of them are quite surprised because when they get to day four, day five, they, they, they get into proper ketosis. So they feed the brain first, satiety happens. 
And the body's quite comfortable starting to biohack fat. Meanwhile, the autophagy process is going and they start cleaning out. And we know that because our data has shown day five, day six, they sleep better, they feel more energy, their shape changes. Uh, and remember, this is not about weight reduction, though that's a great outcome. It's about waste reduction. It's about removing debris. Um, so then, as you said, all that sort of stuff will come if you improve your insulin sensitivity or your gut health or whatever it might be. Exactly that- what you said. So by not making the pancreas work so hard, not producing as much insulin, the sensitivity of the cells goes up. They're able to take sugar out quicker, more effectively. Um, and so what then happens, the dopamine craving goes because the, and the adrenal gland that was probably wired um, says, well, I've got nothing to react to anymore because the pancreas doesn't want to play with me anymore. There's no sugar in it. So the whole inflammatory process is calmed down. With that, people feel better. So what happens is the hormones that might have been stolen by the adrenal that start waking up. Day 10, um, we then get go into a standard paleo two-meal-a-day plan. Uh, and there's plenty of those around. And we keep them there for a whole month uh, because by, by having that level of um, um, uh, time where the pancreas is uh, not working, the whole system just changes. It's almost like setting a new computer. Um, and then, of course, they, they, we don't have to do anymore because the body does it for them. Uh, they can introduce carb, uh, you know, low GI carb. They can introduce other things. But what our patients say, we don't want it anymore. We're quite happy eating two meals a day and, and feeling good. That, that makes a lot of sense. So it's almost like taking this one kind of negative cycle and replacing it with a better one that, that as you said, sort of self-perpetuates in a sense. So I get, you use the word replace. I would say, I would say rediscover. Okay, that, that's probably a better thing. We've even got it. Um, we've just uh, been, so it's not, it's something that our brain, bodies are craving for. Because remember, our caveman cells love that world. That's what they're built for. Now, they get a series of drips, uh, six drips in total, and they vary. So the first drip is about maintaining autophagy, all the minerals. The second drip is after autophagy is finished, so we give them amino acids because now we clean out all the rubbish, we now rebuild the good cells yep. with 17 strong amino acids. We then move to a cognitive drip, which involves things like ginkgo, uh, the B vitamins, um, uh, elements of nootropics, and then they move on to an immunity drip, and then they go on towards the end, towards the NAD drips, because then you're firing up the dynamo. And the dynamo has got a complete clean cell to function. So you're not feeding bad cells anymore. Um, so that was my next question, actually. So you have this sort of, you mentioned in, in increments, so the sort of three day and, the, and then 10 days and then 30, I think it was 30 or 40 <laughs> days. Right. So going forward after that, and you've alluded to, you've mentioned the sort of, I get asked a lot about NAD precursors and all that sort of stuff. So I understand that during this sort of early phase, you, you're you're supporting things with IVs, right? But but obviously people will ask me about okay, so so fine for a short period. What about for the next six months? I'm not going to come in all the time for an IV. Hundred percent. And again, the NOMA plans have taken into account we live in the real world. So yeah. the, the the drips are so basically all of this is done in their own home environment whilst they're working. They come for the drips. But that is about the big clear out. It's about the control or delete. It's the deep clean. And then we get into spring cleaning mode. And that's where we would look at uh, well-absorbed uh, micronutrition. So for the mitochondria, they don't need to come in for NADRIPS. We would give liposomal NMN. We'd look at Reservatol. We'd maintain uh, anti-inflammatory effects with turmeric and curcumin. Uh, we would maintain liver detoxification with glutathione. 
Um, and for those who've got immune system problems, we would use uh, T-cell uh, responsive natural herbs like uh, AHCC, the shiitake mushroom, which improves the T-cell response. So when, it, when we clean them out, the re next bit is very bespoke, but we ultimately say all of these things can be taken at home. That is a little difficult at home, so NMN is our preferred option. We're working on a nanosalt version of that, um, which will hopefully come out next month or so. But effectively, it's feeding the dynamo and everything goes into play again. Um, the, the other thing is, um, in terms of forward management, we're now looking at oral peptides because we've got we've done the detox, we've done the repair, and we're now maintenance and renewal. And as we know, peptides are foods. They're, they're little uh, chains of amino acids, and they, they call them peptides. So they're effectively protein. But what you now know that parts of your DNA like a certain type of peptide. Right. They get fed by this peptide. They get bioregulated by this peptide. And we've been able to find out that, for example, the heart, the lung, the gut um, needs a particular type of peptide. And these are oral supplements now available. Now, these are things that will cause you immediate benefit. They're about the long-term game. They're about feeding the guy that makes all your cells uh, rather than relying on random food we're eating, assuming it goes through the gut and assuming you've got the capability to make it into that peptide. Probably happened a thousand years ago, much harder now. So therefore, this is using innovative technology properly and actually making food nutrition. Um, so we do a series of peptides and depending on people's needs, we can stack them differently. Some choose to rotate them uh, every year into different organs. Uh, and this is about the long-term game. Um, and I think the future of medicine is going to be moving into peptidology in a big way in the future. So that's great. You've actually preempted one of my questions. This, yeah, what are you sort of most excited about? What do you see? Well, uh, if we, if we started, yeah, our yeah. starting point is that we come from nature. Our predecessors uh, survived nature, but the solutions to decline are in nature. And so it all comes down to what you put in your mouth, what you breathe in, yeah. uh, and, and the rest of it's how you function. So if food is declining just by virtue of the processing procedures, the fact that we live in abundance, then by definition, if we could reverse that completely and be able to feed organs directly or the, the DNA, then those cells are going to be happy and stay happy longer. They're not going to become dysfunctional. They're not going to become carcinogenic. They're not going to start forming abnormal proteins. For example, the tau protein or the beta amyloid plaque in the brain falls into Alzheimer's and yeah. yeah. So, so again, this cellular change happens decades before the disease happens. So my, I feel it's very exciting because it's very hard to reverse the gear on our current food processing system. So whilst we know it's wrong, what choice do we have? But through peptidology, we can now select and fix things on a regular basis. Just like we take vitamins or nutritional supplements, peptidology will be part of food supplementation. That's, that's absolutely fascinating stuff, Ash. So one of the things I wanted to kind of switch gears and, and ask you about is say I'm in the gym and we actually met in the gym and I sustained some kind of injury. A lot of people will ask me about, you know, recovering from injury, things like platelet-rich plasma, things like BPC, uh, body protective compound 157, I believe, BPC 157, all those sorts of things. I was wondering if you could kind of weigh in on, on that sort of stuff as, a, as an authority rather than, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. So, so again, um, 
if we're looking at peptides, um, tissue-specific peptides, clearly there'll be some that will serve muscle, collagen, tendon. And therefore, if, if that area is fed properly, by definition, it should heal better. Yes. Um, now, in terms of the process of repair and renewal, uh, uh, damage repair and renewal, that's what basically exercise is. You, you damage an area, it repairs, it gets bigger, and that's what happens. Now, the, what I would say is that I, once I think exercise and performance management is really, really important because we're physical beings, um, I think the, the key thing here is to remember that if our mitochondria are functioning properly, our ability to detoxify is good, um, and we are looking after ourselves in terms of circadian rhythm, our capability to heal is inevitably going to get better. The problem we have is a lot of people do a really tough day's work and then they hammer it in the gym. Um, and they feel good because there's a massive endorphin rush and cortisol level loss. Yeah. The reality is if we don't address the whole holistic lifestyle and saying you may not need to spend as much time in the gym if you, if you get the rest of the lifestyle better. And I think what we have to be careful of is people looking for quick fixes is where the issue is. So I think from my point of view, I would rather have a more integrated approach about why they're doing that in the gym, what the outcome they're hoping to get. Uh, is going to be. An example is people doing a lot of HIIT exercise. They don't realize that actually they increase a, um, a protein in the blood called sex hormone binding. Yeah. SHBG will suck up testosterone. Testosterone is a very powerful hormone in healing, etc. So whilst they think they're doing the right thing, perhaps they're actually depleting themselves in, in other ways. And it's just getting them to understand how their body works, which will avoid or defer the issue of damage the way it's done. Damage happens when people are deconditioned. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you could be the fittest guy for four weeks doing nothing. If you go straight back to it, you're going to get damaged. Yeah. The body does have it. But what we mustn't do, and, and I think it's a trap that a lot of people get to, is that they they don't address the rest of their being. And I think if we're looking at longevity medicine, if we're looking at those joints and muscles and tendons working at 90, 100, 110, we need to be mindful about the day and, and put things into perspective. With respect to BPC-157, the data we've seen, the research we've done, it works. It's fantastic. We've seen some phenomenal outcomes. And these are usually damages that often um, uh, are complex, where even orthopedic surgeons don't want to go in there because it's, it's really complex. And we've found things like BPC-157 have a role um, and people get better. The other thing that we uh, found with BPC-157 is gut healing. The gut healing is quite incredible too. Um, so I think these, whilst they're research-based in the UK, will definitely have a role in the future. What we mustn't do is look for that silver bullet. We mustn't, um, yeah. we mustn't sort of go into that trap again and, and just look at things in an integrated, in, in an integrated way. Um, so I do believe in testosterone replacement therapy, DHEA replacement therapy, pregnenolone replacement therapy to improve muscle mass and look at suboptimal function because of these uh, things being depleted. We've also got GH uh, growth hormone peptides, not growth hormone per se, but peptides that feed the growth hormone. Now, if you're feeding the growth hormone, it's not going to overproduce. Yeah. It only take what it needs. So all the risks of artificial growth hormone are mitigated through a peptide. So it's sort of physiological as opposed to supraphysiological. Totally. Yeah. But people can move to superphysiological mode if they look at the whole, the whole process the whole integrated process. They could exercise better, they could work harder, they could sleep harder. 
everything is is in a much better place. Um, so uh, the other thing we do is PRP um, again. Clayton Lynch Prasma had some fantastic uh, results with uh, certain tendinopathies, joints, as well as aesthetic work. Again, removing all the things that help the body heal, concentrating it to 1,000% and injecting it in. We've had some super results with um, hair regeneration and people with joint or tendon problems, but they don't want to go down the conventional route. The next step, of course, is MSC cells that you get from the surface of fat. We can now harvest those and inject those. Fabulous results. Um, we've used things like microgem uh, uh, because the surface of our, of our fats carry all these potential baby stem cells that will come and heal you. So there's a lot of opportunities in the healing phase uh, where people have had damage already in place. But we're going to stop the damage in the first place. We just need to give a, a balance in towards things. So it's certainly a very exciting time. So uh, you've been very generous uh, with your time. So I'd like to just wrap up with a couple of final questions. So people will always ask me, what does Dr. Kapoor do? What does Ash do? So, you know, he'll recommend all this sort of stuff. I realize it's going to be extremely individual specific, yeah. but people will always say, well, what does the doctor do? Yeah. So uh, for me, I, I'm, I'm very keen uh, to, to get circadian rhythm with sleep. So I, I do everything to enhance refreshing sleep yeah so for me things like ashwagandha magnesium serifos are fantastic um even uh melatonin and uh, i find that if i can get restful sleep the day starts growing yep. um, in the morning it's all about um uh, getting my uh, mitochondrial function up so things like nmn uh, uh the b vitamins the zinc uh the vitamin c are put into place early on. Yep. Um, I'm also a believer in intermittent fasting, but also I, I sort of hover between two meal a day and one meal a day. I'm not precious about it yeah. because the random meal will just turn up. But overall, if I if I stay within a 14 meal a week window, uh, right. that, that sort of allows me the flexibility socially too. Yeah, I do believe in metabolic plasticity. You've got to challenge the pancreas from time to time. But what I have found over the years is my uh, my alertness is higher, my ability to function uh, without getting stressed is more, uh, I enjoy my day, I, I feel less negative about things, um, people comment that I'm feeling less negative about things, um, so effectively it's about feeding the cell, so the, 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 the things, the nutrients that I've told you about is about the micronutrition feeding the cell, but that's, that plus the sleep um, and maintaining a one or two meal day diet, predominantly paleo uh, and less carb, uh, keeps everything in shape, I think. <laughs>